We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with old man Andreas Hale. This feels weird. We are recording the old school way, and that is laptop to laptop. So we are not in the studio because it is Thanksgiving week. Everyone's going out of town. Everyone is busy. Safe travels and shout out to producer Cole Bebe for always holding it down. But we weren't going to keep him in Vegas just to do this show. So we decided, you know what? We'll go old school. We'll record off of the laptops. So bear with us if it's not the crystal clear sound that you guys get from Blue Wire Studios, where we record there from the Win Las Vegas. All that being said, we decided to give you a show. It's not the longest show ever. It is a mini version of the Corner Podcast. It's not two hours. It's not, uh, you know, with a guest, which is now the new norm. Nothing like that. It is us chopping it up, giving you guys a little show to enjoy while you guys are cooking or eating or before the games come on, all that stuff on Thanksgiving Day. So as always, we appreciate you. Today, we're going to be bouncing around, whether it's Thanksgiving food, um, we're going to preview a couple boxing matches that are this weekend, because it is a big boxing weekend. And then also, we're, we're going to start by talking about these ridiculous Steve Kim comments. So if you guys haven't heard about that, don't don't worry, I got you. We'll get into that for a second. But Dre, you were just laughing before we started this because I'm here preparing to go to New York in like an hour for one of the boxing matches. And I'm doing everything I can to make sure I'm not getting sick. I got a medicine ball from Starbucks, got some emergency. I'm taking care of myself, prepping so I don't get sick during the weather change going from here to New York. And then you laughed at me when I told you I'm taking such care of myself that I packed three sweaters for this trip. You're an idiot. <laughs> I can't with you, man. Three hoodies. What's the temperature like in New York? This may sound weird, but I haven't checked that. What's wrong I can, with you? I can check that right now. So the high is 46 today. The low is 30. Get a coat. Why won't you get a coat? Yeah, the high on Monday is 41 when I, or 43 on Sunday. And that's yeah, lows are, what, what's lows the low? are 30 every day. 30, and a 30, sweater? 30. Look, I, I don't, don't want to do this to you, but I hope you come back sick. You need to learn a lesson. 
put that on me, Ricky Bobby. That, dude, listen, <laughs> you bad. need to learn a lesson. Why, why won't you wear a coat? It's 30 degrees in New York, and you're going to go out there in a sweater? Ain't no medicine going to save you. It's so hard to travel with a coat. No, it's not. Where do you put it on the plane? I only have a carry-on. I only have a carry-on on, like Biggie. Check a bag. I'm not checking a bag. Carry on free on Delta. Like I said, I hope you get sick because this. Is- <laughs> I'm frugal. You know this. Delta not- carry on free. <sighs> I packed my life in that carry on. I don't know how we're going to do it when we go to Tampa because I'm definitely packing my Xbox. I always I take my Xbox everywhere I go. Yeah. So it's going to take up a considerable amount in my carry on. Life. And, and that in my Xbox goes in my carry on. I always check a bag no matter what, because I either buy shit or. Whatever the case may be, but what is wrong with you? You are bugging. It's because you bring like four pairs of sneakers. I do. Yes, I do. I'm not Because <laughs> you are indecisive you. on what you're going to wear. So you need something for everything. No, I know what I'm going to wear. I, I just I pack my entire whatever. Everything I'm wearing, I pack. I know what I'm going to wear. But I, I bring options because, you know, shit happens. But still, what is wrong with you? You, you playing with fire. <laughs> um, it, it, it was it, brick no, cold out here in Vegas today. This, this is not brick cold. And you go to New York and it's way colder. Way oh, colder. wow. It's 57 out right now. And it feels brick ass cold. And now you're going to go somewhere colder and talk about, man, you are. Yeah. Fucking- a low of 30 is about to be about to be a little crazy. And I land at like because of the time difference at like 830 at night. <sighs> oh, I'm going to step off that plane. Like, East Coast. I ain't miss you. Good. But again, year and a half. No coat. You just, I think you just live in the gimmick now. <laughs> I no might buy one. If it gets like brick cold, maybe I'll go to like H&M tomorrow or something and buy a jacket. Like I have a, co- a closet full of coats. Now, granted, I ain't going to wear half of these because it's warm in Vegas, but I always keep coats everywhere I go. When I went to Sundance, I wasn't wearing no goddamn sweater. It was like two degrees at Sundance. Yeah, see, that's that's ridiculous. And you got to be outside. A lot of times I wasn't outside. Like I'm be in a hotel room. I got to catch the train tomorrow, but it's during the day so I can go to my grandma's crib, cook it up. Um, oh, great segue. Tomorrow, Thanksgiving. Uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday. So, yeah, I'm touching down in New York. And thankfully, the fight is on Saturday. There's no media events on Thursday because it is a holiday. So I don't go anyway, I, no, I would, I if, the, if they made the fighters go, I feel sorry for them, too. I ain't doing nothing. <laughs> no, nah, I ain't doing nothing. Um, I'll work. I'll do a couple posts, but that's it. I'm going to get up early, take the train. Wait, you working tomorrow? Yeah, I work every What's day. Wrong? What is wrong with you? It's Thanksgiving. Yeah, I'm going to be cooking. I'm going to be working. I'm going to take there's the food. No, dog, there's no reason to work. Who is going like, to this shit? I, that's a very good question, but I feel a ways if I don't like post something on the page at least once. Like I need to post like at least two or three things. Dog, it's just it's for me. And no one else is like monitoring this. No one's like holding me to this. I've uh I already pre-planned one post. So I have that done. So I know there's like my first Thanksgiving morning post, boom, done. And now I just need two more, probably from today's Teofimo presser. Since I'll be in the air, it'll leave me quotes. So I'll get home, chop it up. Or it's going to get to the hotel, chop it up, schedule that out for tomorrow. Yeah, I'm good. You know how much work I'm doing tomorrow? None. I ain't eating. Looking at my, I'm, I'm, yeah, <laughs> the, the work I'm doing is eating and figuring out my strategy for Black Friday. Oh, you are a Black Friday guy. Yes, I'm buying another TV. Yes, I tried to buy four and they, stupid Walmart, I was in line. They had the early Black Friday deals on Monday. 
I bought like the Walmart subscription, oh, like Walmart, Walmart Plus, so I can get in three hours early. And then I went in, we had everything in the cart, and it was like limit one per customer. Yeah, they get you. I was like, I need four to the four of these TVs. But see, this one. is this is where you get a Costco membership. Because Costco has the dope Black Friday deals. Especially Oh, I'm getting one though. Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting one because uh we have Disney rewards that just came in like every year. There's like Disney discounts and rewards. So it's a bunch of our partners and Costco's on it again. And it's something stupid, like 65% off a membership. I'm telling you, get you a membership, get you the Costco. Well, I don't know if you shop as much as I do, but if you get the, the, it's like the Costco pro, you get cash back in the end of the year. And it's like, it's only like $20 more. And I always get like a couple hundred dollars back. Cause I always buy tons. I, I do all my shopping at Costco. I buy everything. I mean, I, I wouldn't be against it. It's yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be sense. against it. So I'm, I'm probably do that. Matter of fact, I'll do that after this podcast. You talked me into the Costco membership. Um, so yeah, that's that was the thing. But breakdown on my Black Friday deal because I don't move until May. But when I move and out of the temporary joint I got when I moved back to Vegas in the pandemic, so got my eyes on. I know exactly where I'm moving next. Scoped out the place, all this stuff. Everything's great. And still saving for my house. So I was like, cool. I need something different in the intermediate. So scoped out new place, know where I'm moving in May. And I need my TV set up back. Because mm-hmm. they stole my TVs, the mover, moving company, when I moved to Vegas. Wait, wait, like, wait. Hey, Did you get anything back from them stealing your TVs or you just took an L? I just took the L. Come on, what is come they on? They stole they stole the two bottom ones on the three TV setup. So I just and you took just let them. Yeah, the company was shitty. My stuff was two, two and a half months late. That's what I'm saying. This you should have. First of all, you should barely even pay for the move, and second of all, they no they they give me a discount on the move. Yeah, because they took your goddamn TVs. That's why they <laughs> gave you a discount. Yeah, they don't give me a discount on the move. Oh my God. So I, I badgered them for that. But after that, I was like, fucking this claim process. All that. And I was like, nah, listen, man, y'all can have the two TVs. So chalked that up to the game, took the L. But now, if we're just being honest, we're keeping this a buck. I've seen a ton of people swagger jacking my TV setup. At least like four people on my IG have my setup now and are like super braggadocious about it uh-huh. like oh look at me oh oh game day on sunday on nfl shit. i'm like yo that's my setup nobody had that before me not looking like that with the three t come on so now that people have done that i of course i'm petty by nature so in my new crib i'm getting a five tv setup so I'm buying a 70 inch, the the joint you suggested, the what, 2180 or some something. Yeah, yeah um, the, the QLED or the LLED. Yeah, especially when you got your your P, uh, Xbox or your PS5. Yeah, I try to hook up my Xbox to like my older TV that I had like from my divorce. It's like nah, one of the three things I got on my divorce, and it wouldn't run properly. I thought I sucked at MLB the Show because I couldn't hit anything. Yeah, and Amazon. The timing's off because the TV was too slow. So I had to hook it back up to my newer TV. And I was like, oh, thank God, I'm, I'm good. Um, but even with that, I'm going to buy one of those. I need to buy a 70-inch joint um, OLED that you had said. Cool, I'm going to get that in May. Or I might actually get that this Black Friday then since it's like a lot of places like buy one. So I'll get the Costco joint, buy that this Black Friday. I'm not even putting it up. I'm just stashing it in a crib, just leaving it in the box. 
And then I'll get my four TVs, like four 43-inch or 42-inch TVs, whatever it is. Get four of those, two up top, two on bottom. Rock out. When I So now, fair warning, if I see anybody with a five-TV setup come May, we fighting. We tussling. No, you're not. not. You're just going to get a sixth. That's what you'll do. Yeah, but then it gets complicated. Like I need, (laughs) I need it to be symmetrical, because I'm also like weird like that. And the wall is only so big. Like this is a big ass wall. Like I went and scoped it out. Like I wouldn't have bought the crib if the living room had like a built-in or anything. I would be like, yo, I can't do this. But it doesn't. The wall is just plain, big as hell. I see where the couch goes. Perfect. So I have it all scoped out. Five is really pushing it, but I'm gonna do the five. That's that's what I got. And I had to make a deal with the wife so that she was like five. And then now she's on board. But on her end, she was like, well, then I want all new furniture. So I was like, oh, all right, whatever. So I like my couch personally, but I'm sure whatever. you need a new one. I'm sure I'm positive you need a new couch. I do like the fucking movers, like the leather ripped in some places, like small tears. Yes. Yeah, but over time. Like leathers, I guess the worst, and the tears really keep going. Yeah. And I was like, damn it. Like, I don't know what to do with it. So I have like an office space. I'm just gonna try to maybe keep that downstairs in the office. Cause I really it's a red leather couch. Like it looks so dope. Um, but yeah, nah, she wants to buy all new furniture. I'm sure we'll get all new bedroom furniture. And she really wants like a dresser. I don't I don't know. I don't even have a dresser right now. Cause we didn't plan on staying that long here. And we like sold mad stuff before we left um, Connecticut. So I was like, yeah, we'll get a dresser. We'll get a dresser. And she just hates me every day that she has to fold all these clothes and put them at the top of the closet on the shelves. So she's like, the first thing I'm buying is a dresser. It's like, all right, man. Like that point, just spend the money. Don't tell tell me what you're spending. So I just give me my five TVs and I'll shut up. So that's, that's the deal. That's my Black Friday. That's the extent of it. One TV. But it's going to be a big boy, 70 or 75 inch. And we're going at it. Five TV set up. Um, I'm actually might have to do Cyber Monday because I'll be in New York. Mm, well, there you go. Yeah. But Costco, thank you for the tip. Um, in terms of food for Thanksgiving, what's on the menu at the Hale House? Well, the wife is pregnant, so she's not really cooking this year. Um, oh, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, you know, you know what the question is then? What? Who's making the mac and cheese? Uh, that's you, you, been this, you picky. <laughs> yeah, that's been the debate. So my nephew has been studying my wife's recipe. So what, here's what I think is going to happen. My, my nephew's going to come over. They're going to send me to the store tonight. This happens every fucking year. Every <laughs> year. The day before Thanksgiving, I end up going to the store. And then I end up going to the store again on Thanksgiving. Never fails. <laughs> I'm going to go get all this stuff. My wife's going to say she's not going to cook. My nephew's going to come over and, and be in the kitchen. My wife's going to see him in the kitchen, and then she's going to start cooking. This happens every year when she's not pregnant, but it's going to happen this year. So the mac and cheese is the one thing I'm pretty sure she's going to take over at some point. Um, she got to let him literally let him cook. Yeah. Let the man chef it up. This is his time to shine. The problem is, is if he fucks it up, the whole family's going to be on his head. That's, that's, that's also true. Looks, looks so he'll get a little bit of help. And he's, you know, my, you see my nephew. He don't want to fuck this up because he really likes macaroni and cheese, especially <laughs> with my wife. He doesn't want to blow this for everybody. So we're doing that. 
I bought uh, John Moles out here in Vegas as extraordinary. You, I think you had it at my crib when we did the barbecue. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yes. So they had a smoked turkey. So I I bought a smoked turkey. Mm. Um, my wife doesn't eat meat, so we got like tilapia from Maggiano's. We got a, we got a. I mean, we got my mom. My mom is coming over, and my wife and my mom they didn't have an argument. But what they did have is my wife was like, "Hey, um, what are you making?" And my my mom was like, "You know." Uh, She's making chitlins for my uh, for her husband. And my mom was like, keep that. And my wife is keep that shit over there. I agree. Keep chitlins. <laughs> Do not not a chitlins guy, huh? Not no. at all. The smell, all that shit. Keep it all away from me. But my, my mother's making banana pudding, which is really good. Um, I forgot what side dishes she's making. Green, something else. And then my mom was going to make stuffing. Now, my mother makes stuffing out of the box. And my wife was like, you can't bring that white people shit over here. <laughs> if it comes in a box you can't you can't bring it over our house now the funny part is i like i didn't grow up with my mother my mother i I don't know how exactly she grew up my grandmother made everything out of a can like literally i didn't have real food until i got one either went over to other people's houses or became an adult right (laughs) like all, all my life, it was like canned corn, canned greens, canned, not canned greens. My grandma didn't eat that shit. I had to eat it. Somebody else said candy, canned yams, canned everything. So the first time I went over uh, somebody's house when I was younger and I had real food, I was like, hey, grandma, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what are you doing? This is wrong. I've been missing this, this my whole life. <laughs> yeah. So so as it went, my wife, all they do is cook from scratch. Nothing comes out of a can. Nothing. So when my mom mentioned it, my my wife recoils. She's like, oh, in a box like you got to make that homemade. So we tasked that with my mother in law. So everybody else is cooking. So, I'm, you know, we'll see how this all turns out. Uh, well, I will tell I'm- you this. I, you know, I love cooking. I do everything from scratch. I got to side with moms on this one. I do not do stuffing from scratch. I mean, now, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. Like it's. You honest to God, if you want to do it real from scratch, you got to buy like your bread, mm-hmm. your loaves of bread, like five days early to let them stale. Oh, yeah. And that's then what, you can crumb. Yeah. A, yeah. It, it's way too much for me. So what I do, though, is like stovetop sometimes has like too many seasonings built in, but they have like a box of like generic joint, which has like nothing but like cubes of bread in it. And then I buy that. Then I buy the like... um chicken stock, the, uh, get the celery, the onions, all that, um, put a little ground sausage in it, unless people don't eat sausage. And then they force me to use like ground turkey. So like, but I always figure out like a nice little way to spice it up. Maybe some apples if I'm feeling froggy. That's like sausage apple stuffing is like my, my go-to. But yeah, yeah. Now I, I feel, I feel moms on that. Getting the, the bread and all that ready, that's too much. Yeah. I'm shocked though shocked and this is this is the west coast uh influence over there it's stuffing and not dressing uh no my wife calls it dressing my mom's called it stuffing and my wife was like what <laughs> like what which one is about? it i feel it's like dressing. there's two different it's, so it's, it's made out of cornbread meat yes like yes oh, okay i don't eat that it's yeah. like it's like grits for me nope i refuse to eat dressing I promise like, you, nope. if you have my wife's, you'll eat it. I have not tasted anything bad come out of your wife's kitchen. Yeah. I'm so I'm not, you. I'm not doubting that. The consistency 
but like something about the texture bothers me. That's like, I don't put my cornbread when people make normalized cornbread, I don't put it in like chili or I don't eat it with beans. Like none, don't soggy my cornbread. So that's why I don't think I like dressing. Cause it's just real. I don't know. I understand it's juicy and all this stuff. I can't, I can't do the dressing. If I ate your wife's dressing, I promise you, I pour mad, just mad gravy on it. And she'll be looking at me like, did you just ruin my dressing? <laughs> I'm like, yo, I'm sorry. But yeah, I can't, I can't do dressing. And black folk get on me all the time. I, I want stuffing, like stuffing, but it got to be seasoned though. Don't just take it out of the stupid box and then be like, yo, here, this stuffing. Nah, you got to go and you got to extra season it. You know, don't, don't use water, use stock. There, there's, there's levels to the game, but I need stuffing. Yeah, and no, I can't can do the dressing. That's that's one thing I'm thankful for at the the caucus Thanksgivings that I have attended is that they have stuffing. Um, I'm on a streak though. Three years, no green bean casserole. Good. Yeah, we're moving along. Oh my God, I'm, don't oof. Unless I get to Harlem, so I'm going. Usually, last year it was the Rona, so a couple of my family members got together in Harlem, but. I wasn't chanting that with my grandma. It was before like the vaccines and shit. So I was like, nah, I went down, drove down from Connecticut, cooked an entire Thanksgiving meal for my grandma. And we chilled in her house. Um, you know, grandma's not the best with technology. So she doesn't like understand that like there's some cool shit out there. So she still likes playing the tunes, right? And the music while we're cooking. She's helping me cook some stuff. Um, she's making her potato salad, which she like famous for and all this stuff. I'm learning how to cook that. And she's playing her tunes. I'm like, yo, grandma, hold on. Turn on the TV, go to the YouTube app. I was like, do you know they have like live concerts? Boy, why did I show her that? So we're watching like Al Green in 68 at the (laughs) Apollo. She's like reminiscing and shit. She was like, I was there. Like she was loving it. So I tell you, we spent eight hours that day watching old concerts. Patty, Aretha, all that. She was loving it. Um, so we, we did that all day. That was cool. But this year, I'm going to my grandma's crib. I'll cook in the morning with her. But then we're going to my family's crib in Harlem. And I'm scared. Because I've, I've never spent a Thanksgiving. I spent Thanksgiving days with my grandma, like my dad's mom, who I'm going to see. And then I would always spend the nights with my mom's mom. My grandma, who's Puerto Rican, all this stuff, I have my Puerto Rican dinner and all that stuff. We go to Long Island, my Puerto Rican family, and I do that. So I've never been to a Thanksgiving with my Harlem side of family. We've gone out to dinners. We've all, you know, gone out to restaurants, blah, blah, all together as a family. I don't think I've ever tasted their cooking. Ooh. I'm worried. And, and I'm staying in the hotel, so it's not like... I have a secondary option. Like what I eat there is what I'm eating all day. Mm. So I was like, damn, I was like, yo, I'll bring the ham. And then my grandma was like, oh, someone else said they're bringing a ham. I was like, yo, grandma, get me a ham anyway. Like, I'll just, I'll make my ham at your crib. You can have some leftovers and I'll take some back with me to the hotel. So I don't got it. Some people's ham be mad dry. I can't chance it. I make it the mac and cheese. I don't care. If I go there and there's three other mac and cheese, that's cool. Whatever y'all don't eat of mine, I'll take this. Trust. I'll take this whole pan back to the hotel. They'll be looking at me like a weirdo. I don't even like, let's get it. 
And so those are the two things I make because I trust no one else to do those. Turkey, whatever. Someone mess up the turkey. I don't got to eat the turkey. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting. It is going to be interesting. And then I got to explain to people that Elena's pescatarian. They're going to look at her crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's. Yeah. I know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Black folks like what? And half the family don't eat pork. So, you know, like they're the type of people in the family that don't eat pork. But then they always got a comment when you eat pork. Yep. They'll be like, you got that swine boy. Like, yeah, we don't do pork at our cribs. We talk about you. <laughs> Shit. I made my daughter went to Kansas City this morning, already dropped her off before I take my flight later. And before she went, like on Monday, I made arroz con gandules, which is like rice and peas um, for Puerto Ricans. And I made a pending, which is a giant pork shoulder marinated in garlic for like two days and then slow roasted. Delicious. And that we have that like every holiday. And my daughter's like, nah, I'm not. I'm not going to go without that for Thanksgiving. So I made it on Monday. Just a giant ball of swan. It's delicious. That's gross. <laughs> delicious. <laughs> oh, you don't eat bacon? Nah, man. I don't eat any pork. Really? Really. All right, man. Listen, I, I can't knock you. More for me. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know too many Puerto Ricans that don't eat pork. If I'm just keeping yeah. it a buck. It's just... It's in, it's in our blood. So, yeah, that's that's the Thanksgiving plans around my way. Before we move on, talk some boxing. Oh, not even boxing. we got to talk about this other bull. But before we move on, did you get the pumpkin cheesecake? Yes, I did. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> don't got to kill you. I don't think anybody <laughs> knows what we're talking about and where that came from. <laughs> but, yeah, my wife didn't give a shit about me doing this Porter walkout. She didn't give a shit. I was hanging out with E and Rhapsody. She cared about nothing. The only thing she cared about was there was a there's a pumpkin pecan cheesecake at Maggiano's. And I'm huge on cheesecake. And they offered it. And they said it was going to sell out. And I'm in the middle of putting together this walkout. And my wife is like, get the cheesecake. I'm like, sweetheart, I cannot get this cheesecake right now. I am busy. <laughs> and essentially was like, well, don't be, don't come home until you order that cheesecake. Yeah, I ordered the cheesecake. Yeah. <laughs> good, good, good. I don't want her to put you out. No, I didn't want her to uh, put out either. Yeah, that's the last, last thing you need for this holiday season. You would need one of those coats. Yeah. You're going to yeah. be outside just looking at people. It would have been a wrap for me. <laughs> no, that's good. Before we get um before we get to the boxing, we got to talk about something that's boxing adjacent. Boxing writer Steve Kim. Your former co-worker. For a hot second. For, for a... That's it. Yeah. Um, went on Whitlock. I guess he's a regular member of Whitlock's show. That was a bullshit. Um, I think Whitlock called him the Korean Cosell. Just so blasphemous. So he's on Whitlock and they're talking about the Rittenhouse verdict. Whatever, like whatever your opinion is. I know people, uh, even on my Facebook, I posted about it. People have differing opinions on the case itself. Right. Which I am all down for that. You know, like shit, let's go back and forth. Uh, This guy, I of my Facebook that who I've known since forever. He was like one of the first people I met when I moved to Vegas. His name's AJ, um, not reverse rat pack AJ, but uh, his name's also AJ. And he went to like Pepperdine. He's study. He's a law, like 
studied law for a while and then he transitioned into like some other weird thing where he's like a private contractor but like he loves this shit like he loves to just debate and be like super contrarian about everything and like actually looks up a bunch of facts to just be contrarian so he's on my timeline and like going back he's like well technically he didn't cross the state line and he did this and this and i was like yo he's bringing like good facts and we're going back and forth it's like a good combo but then other people join in and i was like oh shit so i had to dm him i was like yo i forget that like we go back and forth on this but people don't really know so they kind of just think you're an asshole because it's on a public forum i was like my bad he was like nah man i just laughed it off and i was like yeah cool so we just continued that in the dms but i was uh like steve kim again you can have your opinion you can do everything what steve kim did wasn't that it was blatantly racist so the clip that we first saw starts off and after this i didn't give a fuck what he said kind of just tuned him it starts off with saying it's always the light skin, mixed breeds, light skin and mixed breeds. He said, do you say mixed breeds or half? No, excuse me. Light skin. <laughs> I'm giving him credit. Yeah. Light skins and half breeds that are the most militant. Yeah. I was like, and then he kept going, like doubling down in the state. Fuck what else he's the light skins and half breeds in terms of being more upset and mobilizing, speaking up against this Rick Rittenhouse, just getting off the determination in court. And he put it on the light skins yeah, and half breeds. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, he went on to say like, I didn't know white on white crime was a big priority in the black community. Yep. I was like, who are you in the black community? Like, it was as tone deaf as tone deaf can get. Yep. And this was a guy who's two seats away from you at the fight. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So where do you want me to start? Do you want me to start on me seeing him on Saturday? Or do you want me to start? On let's start it. Let's start with the seeing. <laughs> All right. Because so as oh. a, I've known Steve Kim for a very long time, about a decade. I didn't know this side of Steve Kim. And I guess it was around, but I didn't really pay attention to him on social media, right? Him, Dougie Fisher from The Ring are really close. And I worked at Ring Magazine. We broke bread at restaurants. We ate together. Me, him, Doug. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other guys that were there. You know, a lot of, some of the box writers. Now, everybody knows who I am in terms of not like who I am in terms of me being popular. But when they, if you know who I am, you know what I'm about. Everybody knows this. It's no fucking secret. I have been an advocate for activism and diversity and all this shit my whole life. And I don't play when it comes to race. I don't play when it comes to discrimination. I don't play when it comes to bigotry. None of that shit. So this is who I've always been. Now, this side of Steve Kim has, to me, recently come out with all this MAGA shit with Trump and everything else. Right. And so we've been cordial. We've always been cool. Now, I haven't seen him in 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 quite a while. Even before ESPN, he would never go to him. He never goes to Heyman fights. Anything that Heyman does, he wouldn't show up to. He yeah. never he wouldn't go to Floyd Mayweather fights. So I'd never see him at a Floyd fight. So I, he didn't do a whole lot of traveling or anything either. So I hadn't seen him. But now this this y'all know how the fuck I feel about Whitlock. <laughs> and now I see him on this shit. And I'm like, oh, you taking it to another level. Now, it really for me, it really started when he was as an Asian man 
talking about, you know, the stop Asian crime thing and saying like it's ridiculous and victimization yeah. and all this shit. And I I got tight with it. Now, if you know me again, I ain't just fighting for black folks. I'm fighting for anybody that's a minority. That includes women. That includes Asians. That includes anybody who's been discriminated against for whatever reason. So when I saw it, I was like, it's not most self self hating shit right there. I don't, I don't like it. And I tweeted about it. Now, with this, he this this happened after I saw him, this mixed breed shit. Prior to that, I'm trying to think, was it Rittenhouse? It was something where he talked about the woke mob and all this dumb shit with Whitlock. Yep. And I said my piece on Twitter again. So on Saturday, I've got my hands full. You know, I've got my hands full with covering the fight and doing the walkouts. But earlier in the day, I dropped off the, 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 uh, the robes for the choir. And I was walking out. Everybody wasn't there. It was still a relatively empty arena. Kel, I think you were there. We got there at the same time. Yep. I went down, dropped off the robes in the locker room, came back out. And there's a corridor that you walk through as media. I'm walking out. He's walking in. There's nobody else there. And in my head, I'm thinking, oh, shit. What's he going to say? So he's walking and he looks up at me. He's looking at his phone. He looks up at me and he looks back down at his phone thinking that maybe if he doesn't look at me, I won't see him, right? That's not how I function. You know what I did? I know you, Steve. As I'm walking, I said, what's up, Steve? And just stood there. <laughs> Real aggressive, like. Yeah, because you, you're not going to act like, because you know who I am. It's not like you don't know who I am. It's not like I'm an invisible guy. It's not even like we're just two guys in boxing media. You know me. We've eaten together. We broke bread together. We've talked about college football and pro football. We've talked about my Niners before Kaepernick, which you clearly have a fucking problem with. We've we know each other. I worked at Ring. I've been cool with Doug. All this shit. And even even another thing, the whole Michael Montero shit, for those who don't know, the BWAA writer got kicked out for saying a bunch of racist shit. Steve Kim walked out the door with him because he felt like it was wrong that he got eliminated. He got pushed out of a boxer rise association for saying racist shit. I had another. That's a whole nother problem in itself. But all that being said, you know who I am. You watch me come up and you know where I'm at right now. And I, I won't say too much more about where I'm at right now, because you're going to see me again in ways that you're not really expecting to see me. But I saw you and I said, what's up, Steve? And you just kept you, you kind of nodded your head and kept walking in my head. All that woke mob shit, all that cancel culture shit. Everything you said, and I don't know when you recorded this mixed breed shit, you clearly have a problem with who the fuck I am. Say something. Keep that same energy. That's what I'm saying. You don't even, like, and to be real, to be honest, people are like, oh, it's on site. No, 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 no. I ain't going to hit you like that. I'm not crazy. I got a job. But I want to know how you really feel because you know me. Because you're speaking to a bunch of people you don't know. When you talk about mixed breed shit or cancer culture, woke mob, you're talking about a whole about a bunch of people that you don't know, but you know me. Say what's up. Say something. Breed. Say what you- I, I mixed in mixed breed. That is much more pleasant than half breed, which he used. Yeah. So it's like so. But say it. Keep the energy. Talk to me. Say what's up. I'm not scared of you. I don't care about what you say, but I want to see you in your eyes. Say something to me. Because uh, what we used to be really cool. You can't talk to me now. You don't like what I stand for. Fuck it. I'm here. You know where I'm at. You sat a seat away from me. It was me, Dan Raphael, Steve Kim. Doug Fisher didn't show up, which has been a really interesting conversation because I'm cool with Doug, but Doug's cool with Steve. Got a problem with these people all being together. Fuck it. 
whatever, <laughs> whatever. But I said my piece. Now, he didn't say nothing. He ain't say nothing to me the whole fight. He ain't look over at me. Nothing. Him and he does. Him and Dan don't get along. They said them together. They probably talked to each other more than Steve didn't say a word to me. Now, let's talk about this mixed breed shit. Half, uh, not even half breed. Half breed. My bad. half breed. Yes. <laughs> so, I'll start with the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict. First things first. If you want to apply the law and say the law is the reason why Kyle Rittenhouse got off, I agree with you because that's the law. Just like stand your ground. His defense attorneys did a good job of convincing the judge that this was self-defense according to the law. But you have to bend facts in order to make this thing work. Right. My issue is not when they talk about white on white crime, and I guess that's where I'll start. The issue isn't that Kyle Rittenhouse shot three people that were not black. The issue was that a white 17-year-old kid, and I'm not even going to use this crossing state lines because I don't even give a fuck. I don't care if he was across the street. But he made a conscious effort to go somewhere else with an assault rifle to make a stand. If that's not aggression, I don't know what it is. Now, people are going to say, well, you had a right to do that. You're right. The law does say that. But change the color of his skin. And give me an AR-15 and let me go anywhere aggressively walking past the cops. I won't make it to the goddamn court case. I won't make it to trial. Philandro Castile had a, a licensed firearm in his car and he got shot and killed by the fucking police. Mm-hmm. This is more about perspective, perception, and what is deemed a threat. Kyle Rittenhouse is not deemed a threat. That's, that's my bigger issue. And how we teach our kids what is threatening and what's non-threatening. Kyle Rittenhouse saw a protest for an unarmed black man who got murdered and decided that he needed to take it upon himself to grab an assault rifle as an under as a minor and go into a crowd of people. There should be a problem with that. The laws are fucked up. So it's not about white on white crime, because the bigger issue is because they all they were like, well, they were career criminals. He didn't fucking know that. He didn't know who he shot. I hate when people do that. If we get into a fight, me and you. Kale or whoever and if i beat your ass then then afterward i found out you're a child molester i didn't know you were one before that we just got into a fight Mm -hmm. that's it kyle rittenhouse shot these three people who were protesting with a bunch of peaceful protesters and some that we you know were acting up but he made a conscious effort to go in and people saw him as a threat because who the fuck wouldn't see a man as an assault rifle walking into a crowd past the cops as a threat Yeah, I'm fucking you up off site because you ain't shooting me. Right. You brandish a gun. That is just, again, people are real comfortable in this country. You can tell people when they say there's two Americas, this is a clear case of that. Regardless if it's white, black, you know, wealthy, poor, there's two Americas. Regardless of what you are, woman, man, there's, there's two standards to everything here. And you can tell. When someone pulls out a gun where I am from, we fucking you up. It's just waiting. Off site. Because you ain't pull. What's the quote? Don't pull it if you ain't going to pop it. Right. And now he walked out. He walked in brandishing. Walk, you walk out into our crowd holding a gun. Yeah, you get hit with a skateboard, fam. That, so so you can, you can hit with anything because you can shoot me at any time for whatever reason 
I don't, I I'm mean, gonna get you before you get me. Like you, you walk into my house with a gun. You, you think I'm gonna be all oh, well? Let's see what he's gonna do with that. No, that's not what's gonna happen. Now, so here's the thing: it's not white on white crime. I don't care. I'm not defending those three white men that got shot and, and two got killed and one is still was wounded. I'm not defending them. My issue is him being able to do that and getting off completely scot free. When we as black people or any minority in this country would have not even had the opportunity to go to trial or they would have just thrown us into the jail cell because the law don't work both ways. Now, the next thing he mentioned, mixed breeds are more militant, right? Half breed. Half breed. (laughs) Me too. I fucked it up. I said mixed breed. So it's half breed. (laughs) Guess what? I'm light skinned. I am a quarter breed. My grandmother, who raised me as a full-blooded Italian. Now, I've listened to people talk about Colin Kaepernick. He was like, he was raised by white people. He didn't deal with racism. Bullshit. I was raised by my white grandmother, and my grandmother tried to teach me that I was one of the good ones until I was in third grade, and this kid called me a nigger. And I was like, what is that? And my grandmother had no idea how to answer this shit. Not a clue. My grandmother also said Malcolm X was a piece of shit, but that's a whole other conversation. (laughs) Now... To say that I don't get to choose the cards of racism that I'm dealt. It's not my choice. If somebody chooses to call me a nigger or if somebody chooses to tell me I can't play with some kids because I'm black or somebody chooses to when I was uh, 16, me and my friends were leaving a bowling alley. And, you know, the homies like I got shotgun. They called the cops on us. We were laid face down with seven police cars surrounding us with guns drawn on us face down on concrete in the cold ass weather because my friend called shotgun. They tore the seats out of my car because of my friend called shotgun looking for a shotgun. They cocked their guns on us. Dude, I've been patted down. I've been thrown on car hoods. I was raised by a white woman. You say you mean I, I don't deal with racism? This is this is fucking nuts. So when they talk about Colin Kaepernick, they're like, oh, well, you know, he didn't deal with it. Yo, I watch Colin in black and white. And I know some black folks will watch the show and be like, yo, that's outrageous. I was raised by a white woman. That shit is not outrageous. I got a haircut at Supercuts and yeah, got ran and it got ran to the ground by my friends. I got completely embarrassed because my grandmother didn't understand the culture and she didn't care to. She loved her, her grandson, but she didn't like black shit. She wasn't all for that at all. So when I so to say they're more militant, that's false because you'd be discrediting Bobby Seals, Tokyo Carmichael, Marcus Garvey, because these were black ass men. Angela Davis, you'd be you'd be discrediting all the black people who were militant and active in the community. Now, mm-hmm. yes, Malcolm X was mixed. Well, he was really light skinned, but this, that doesn't make a fucking difference. But I do agree. I will say this for some of us who are have have white people in our family. We see the world through a different lens. I'm reading a book right now by Keith Lemon, Lehman called Heavy, where he talks about growing up in, in the South as a black man with a black family dealing with white people. But there is no perspective of white people in his family because there's no white people. I have white people in my family who had a completely different perspective on blackness. They didn't like it. It gives me it, it makes you wonder what's wrong with me. And I picked up books and I've read and, I, and then I got discriminated against and I made a decision that from this point forward, I ain't putting up with this bullshit. And I made that decision very young in my life. So maybe to say, oh, was, I always find that. Well, it's not necessarily true, but some of us have been burned by the people that we're supposed to love. And that's what makes us, quote unquote, militant, because we, we see it through a completely different lens. And this fuckface goes on the Whitlock show to say this shit. And then in the longer clip, they talk about uh, 
gated because they, they, he, he was taking shots at Malika Andrews, who is a yeah. black woman, which I'm very protective over black women because you ain't going to say that to Malika's face. That's not cool. But to say that there's gated community activism would suggest that once you make a certain amount of money, you are no longer allowed to be active in your community. That's also bullshit. Because I make a little bit of m- more money and I'm able to move into a community that's gated. Mine is. And they say, well, it's majority white people. Well, mine is mixed. There's, there's black people and white people where I live. But there's no way we're going to get be- ahead in this world if we just continue to live in the same fucking places. Black people should be able to make enough money to move with their families and bring other black people into other areas of society. Period. Easy. Easy. To suggest that I make money now, so I'm not allowed to speak on black issues because I don't deal with racism. Guess what? If a cop pulls me over tomorrow, he don't know how much money I make. Nope. He don't know he if your mama white, black, span. He don't know anything. Nah, me and my wife are very successful in what we do. My wife has just passed two bar exams in four months while being pregnant and having a, a five-year-old. We, we've been followed in stores. We have been told one time, this is a while ago, that this, this oh, a white dude would not sell me liquor because he said I was intoxicated and called the cops and we were buying liquor at 11 o'clock at night and he, he refused. He's like, I have the right to refuse you service because I'm drunk and I'm belligerent. I was neither. And I got followed around the store and they called the cops on me. Guess what? They had no idea what I did for a living. They had no idea who my wife was. They looked at me and made a decision. So talking about gated community activism, man, shut the fuck up because that you have no idea what you're talking about. The one thing I will tell Steve and all these other people who talk about people like me or militant or activists or whatever, come have a conversation with us. Because I, the one thing I do, like I'm, I'm upset right now because this shit pisses me off when they do it. But I will talk you through this without anger. I will walk you through my life without calling you names. Because you need to open your eyes and understand, like, you know nothing about this side. You have no clue. But with them, they are not open to listen. That's my issue. But I, I am more than willing to have this conversation because you are a, an Asian man who grew up, who admittedly grew up in the suburbs and didn't have to deal with racism. That's your story. So he I, thought, by the way. But there are so many other people who are Asian who are dealing with these issues. You cannot just separate yourself and say it doesn't happen. So I, I can't get with any of that rhetoric. I can't. I can't. So in, in, in combat sports. I was on Renee and Misha's show. And Renee, Renee Paquette, Renee Young from WWE, me, me and her are really good friends. And she says, she always gives me an opportunity to talk about diversity in, in sports media, especially in combat. And I said, you know, you can't just do it inside of the ring because all there's a ton of black fighters. There's a ton of, you know, minority fighters. But there's got to be more of us telling stories and from a media perspective, from a promoter's perspective. There needs to be more of us. This is why. Because combat sports is one of the last places that is a safe haven for people to say dumb shit like this because they have nobody to pull their cone and say, nah, dog, that ain't it. But I'm here now. I ain't going for none of that shit. So the next time y'all fix your mouths to say something about the woke mob and cancel culture and militant black, black people, I'm here. And not only am I here, you're probably going to need a job for me one day. I promise you that. And I won't deny you because of your views. I'll deny you because you're shitty writing, but that's a whole nother story. But know who you're in the room with when you talk your shit. Know it. Because for years, a lot of y'all have gotten over because of who you know and not because of the quality of your work. I will not deny you if you have excellent work. But what I will do is put you through hell. 
to get there because we've been put put through hell because I was a black writer and thought, oh, you you only know hip hop. All right, cool. I've shown y'all I'm good at this shit. And you guys and as and as the editor, you'll need a job from me one day. I <laughs> promise you that. I'm telling you, I I would not hire him again. Your your views, what you say on social media and what you put out publicly is a judge of character. And I can use that. And I ain't look, working with a racist. Look, look, I'll say what I'm saying. Is, Again, obviously, because I ended up working with him. But I ain't hired his ass. He was there when I got there. There's morality clauses and contracts, things like that. And things get really gray because the same reason that I couldn't, like, I, let's just say if I didn't hire Kim before his views, even though they're really outlandish now, they can say they won't hire me because of my views. Yeah, so I, Views are I, different. I, views are one thing, but I won't, like... Because I know, like, you can, here's the other thing. You can be a conservative. You can be a Republican. We can have a conversation. Yeah. But when you start calling people, like, mixed breed and attacking people, it's like, come on, dog. Half breed. Like, we're in Harry Potter. Damn, like, they should have called dog. us mudblood. Yeah, like, come like, on. Like, what are you doing, man? And what are you doing? And Jason, we're like, I can't believe in, like, we haven't even talked about him. I'm not going to waste my it. breath. <laughs> I'm not going to waste my breath on this clown. But nevertheless, it's. I will like I'm saying people get jobs because of networks and because of relationships. I'm going I am in a position and it's only going to get crazier for a lot of y'all to hire you. And if if the decision I have to make is based off of eh, who I like more, because that's what interviews really are. Yep. If that's what it's got to be, be careful. Just be careful. Be careful what you say and how you say you can have your views. Be careful of what you say, because never before, man, I won't say never because there's other, been other black people who've been editors like Tim Smith worked at the New York Times, who's head of like PBC media relations now. But there haven't been too many opportunities when you had a black man like me in control of your destiny. Not I ain't got to beg y'all for jobs. I'm good. I'm good. But come on, man. Yeah, like, the company you keep, man. For it reason. is ridiculous. Like as soon as he said, I saw like the then the full interview dropped with Whitlock's commentary. I guess he was quoting Whitlock and praising him for saying that first. Yeah, the fuck him too for saying that shit. Like, yeah, wow, ridiculous. But and he's just Uncle Ruckus. Like it is what it is. But when that dropped, I talking about work. I was like, yo, honestly, I put it on my work Slack and my group in my chats and even my manager's chat. And I was like, yo, look, this is what's going on in boxing right now. This is what an ex ESPN employee said. It's racist. By the way, I'm gonna be flaming his ass on Twitter. Just a heads up. No one batting an eye. Oh, thanks. Thanks for telling us first. Because I they just got called a ra- I just got called a racist on Twitter just now, by the way. Oh, my my comments too. My comments are, are wild right now. Um, my message yesterday, I was like, wow. Half breed, I was like, I'm half Puerto Rican, half black, and went on on my rant. And then someone's like, Being Puerto Rican is a nationality, being black is a race. Fucking don't tell me about myself, anyways. His comment section is ridiculous, and Whitlock's show is ridiculous. Um, coming from by all accounts in the Abbey, a white man wearing a kilt and hiking named Mike Ranger. The hell out of here, Mike Ranger. But Steve Kim, then he ended this whole shenanigan shit by saying the gated community comment and then saying, well, those people, those black people wouldn't take their kids 
to these communities where these things are happening. So why are they caping for these people? This They're, is what I'm talking about. They are scared to even go back there. Oh, really? Because guess what, Steve Kim? I probably make three times as much money as you do right now. Not even a humble brag, just being straight up. And every time I go back to New York, I go right back to the block. I'm on the block. I was just drinking a bottle of Doucet with my peeps on the block. Uh, last time I went, because it was a wedding weekend, I went right back right there. I know the people who are on my block. We all grew up together. I'm at ESPN. I'm educated. I did a lot of shit to get to where I'm at. Some of those other people chose a different route. They chose an easier route. My boy on the block, that's super close to me. I'll admit his name. But he grew up and at 19 was one of the biggest drug dealers in New York. Four years ago, he got shot 15 times, seven in his head, and he survived. So when I went to the block, we chilling, and I'm just happy to talk to him because he was almost not there. And when my kids are with me over the summers and we go to New York, they on the block. We grab a slice, we come down, they go see who I call my grandma, who grew up next to me, one of my best friends in the world, Bash, his grandmother, who's still there. I take them to see her, we outside. They see anyone who's around. Yeah, these are my kids. Everyone knows that those are my kids. I go, I go to the projects for the basketball games, the basketball tournaments. They still know me. As Jada said, I'm outside. Don't get it twisted. It's, I'm, I can go anywhere. My name is good. I go anywhere on the block. I'm good. No one touches me. Everybody knows who I am. I, I, you know what? I just think it's crazy when they, they make these assumptions of us. Now, look, Nipsey Hussle was always on the block. And yes, unfortunately, the block ended up getting him, right? We have right. to be careful of the people that we were around because there's a lot of jealousy and envy out there. But he was in, he was in the streets. Now, there's, there's two ways to go about this. One way is you go back to your communities, you speak to the kids, you give them, you donate, you do whatever it is that you do. Or you're, you're, you're present there. But because of like the internet, there's, uh, there's all kinds of ways to, to, to give back to your community. To suggest that we're scared of going back to the community, it's like, what, what are you talking about? Like, that's not, that's not anything that I've ever been scared of. Now, granted, again, Nipsey got killed by the, by the block, by one jealous person on the block. But there's so many of us that do for our communities and without batting an eye. And for the again, these are these assumptions that they make. Now, if you want to say LeBron James ain't going to the hood, if I'm LeBron James, I'm not necessarily going to the hood either, right? To hang out because I'm LeBron James and he shouldn't be going anywhere by himself. Yeah. But he built a fucking school, right? Like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? LeBron ain't scared of these people. I ain't scared of these people. They'd be like, oh, they would, you'd be the same. Look, I'm scared of any. I'm scared for my family. If I there's like a rapist or some shit like that, I'm scared for my daughter. But I ain't scared of my people. I go to Philly, walk the block. I go so I go anywhere. But you, everybody knows there's places you can't go. That has nothing to do with not being an activist. You are. We always have to be careful of where we are, no matter what our tax bracket is. This has nothing to do with that. But this is just another way. For people like Steve to try to separate and use classism instead of racism to separate people by their class. But you got to give credit to people that are giving back because a lot of us are giving back in many different ways. Financially, our presence, 
giving jobs, diversifying the space. We do more than you. So shut up. Pipe down. Learn Ridiculous. something. It's crazy. Makes yeah, sense. so Steve Kim, all that. You know how I feel. I ain't going to get fired over this idiot, but you know how I feel about it. You can connect the dots. <laughs> um, let's talk about boxing before we get out of here. Then we got a couple more minutes. Two big fights coming up this weekend. We had Stephen Fulton on the last show. Shout out to him for coming through. He fights in Vegas this week versus Figueroa. Unification fight at 122 pounds. How do you see this fight playing out? Because, again, Fulton, like he admitted, he'll mix it up sometimes. He likes to be the technician. He likes to be the smarter fighter. But I think Figueroa is really going to bring out the dog in him. And he's going to have to show us something maybe that we haven't even seen from him before. Very similar to Bud. You got to stand in there and you got to fight fire with fire sometimes. Uh, I, I think I'm going with Fulton to win. I'm giving him the nod. I think he will be um, too smart and slick and land too many punches. But this, these fights are always tough because Figueroa is going to outthrow him. He's going to have a lot of volume. So that means Fulton really has to be clean and crisp and show the judges that he's landing. Yeah, I mean, I'm picking Fulton because I think Fulton is a thinking man's fighter. And obviously, we just had him on the show. But if you watch Fulton fight, especially against the Angela Leo fight, Fulton changed what he was doing and became a slugger and a fighter instead of a boxer. Brandon Figueroa is going to come forward and do one thing. He's going to throw a lot of punches. But I think Fulton's just slick enough to get away from the damage. Make it fun. But win a decision. Uh, it'd probably be relatively close. It'd probably be eight rounds to four, seven rounds to five. I don't think there'll be a stoppage. But I think Fulton is, I mean, yeah, he's he's going to, I think he might unify this division um, and become undisputed. But Figueroa's a hell of a fighter, but he gets hit a lot. Yeah. And I think that's what Fulton's going to take full advantage of is like Figueroa's deficiencies on the defensive end are going to really do him in. So I'm picking Stephen Fulton. But I think it's going to be, I think, it is a more fun fight than Lopez and Cambosis in terms of uh, competitiveness. I don't think Cambosis and Lopez are going to be very competitive. I could be wrong. I agree. I think Fulton wins this. Um, I don't know if he undisputed at 122 because the man likes to eat, as he told us. But uh, uh, I, I think really 126 is where he'll go. And I think he have a good run of the belts. And then you look at it. There's reports that um, Navarrete is now a free agent. Yeah. So that's up in the air. Bob was trying to say him versus Valdez, but Navarrete might just be gone. And to be honest, there's a lot more people in the fight at 126 in PBC. Oh, yeah. So if he decides to sign there, you know, he, he can go. Lord knows what happened to Gary Russell Jr. How does he still have a belt? Yo, Gary Russell Jr. fight. He, he, we should he, just call him Christmas because this he man fights to fight once a year. Yeah. This man's on two. Right now, like sooner or later, somebody got to come up off that. But we have to call him Leapier Russell. <laughs> but they have him. They have Leo Santa Cruz. They got belts for Navarrete to chase on the other side. And then again, Fulton can move up and enforce it as the mandatory because he has the belt at 122. So um, a lot of interesting matchups there going forward. I like Fulton. I think he gets through this fight. You mentioned Lopez versus Cambosis. There's levels to this. Yes. And Theofimo's on a different level than a lot of fighters. The question becomes, with all the setbacks, all the training camps that were, that weren't, the COVID for a guy who publicly talks about his asthma problems, the now 
fighting in New York on short notice. When you try to cut weight for October 2nd, that didn't go through. Then October 13th, that didn't go through. And then now another six-week camp, that's tough, man. I, I think it might shrink the talent gap a little bit. But looking at Cambosis, I'm, I'm worried he'd overtrained. I, I'm worried he was just, it seemed like he'd never stopped. And it's like, yeah, man, you're, you're doing a lot, a little too much. I, I kind of like that, that Fury, when the Wilder thing got canceled, he went back home. Um, he was dealing with, you know, the birth of his child and some complications and everything. But even then, he took time away a little bit in the middle of that camp. Um, he came in and said, you know what, I'm not going to be the ripped guy. I probably would have been in July. I'd be a little fat. You know, I, I got a, I got an elbow issue, all this stuff. But listen, you're going to get who you get on fight night. He came in the heaviest of his career and still put it on Wilder. It's to me with Lopez, it's like, yeah, he took a little time off. Yeah, he was around. He's been going to every fight in Vegas now that he's here full time. He's been enjoying it, but also working. Cambosis has just been working, 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 working. And I, I don't think you're going to close that gap that fast. And sometimes you overwork yourself and you're, you don't know when to peak. Your body doesn't know when to peak when you do that. Yeah. And I mean, there's this other thing is that if this was Tiafima Lopez versus Vasily Lomachenko too, I'd have a problem with this, right? I'd probably pick Loma, given all the circumstances surrounding Tio. He's also had the birth of his child. He's also, you know, he's, he's dealing with a lot, COVID, yeah. everything else. There's George Cambosis is not going to hurt Tiafima Lopez. George Cambosis is a good fighter. Tiafima was just better. And one thing that Tiafima does better than just about anybody in, in his weight class, and that includes Lomachenko, is counterpunching. He doesn't just counterpunch sharp. He counterpunches hard. And that's what he did to Vasily, that, which forced him to not throw as much. Cambosis only knows throwing punches because that's what he does. He's a busy fighter. And getting hit. He gets hit a lot. <laughs> and this is, this is a recipe for disaster against somebody like Tiafimo. Now, Tiafimo didn't – He, I, I'm sure we'll talk to him after and say how shitty his camp was. I'm sure we'll talk to him and say, man, I had a lot going on. Right. He'll say all those things. But the base of Tiafimo Lopez, even the, the lowest level of Tio, is going to be George Cambosis. Other fighters, maybe not. But I think he might stop George. He's I too so. strong. He's too strong. He's too big. He's too sharp of a counterpuncher. Like COVID and his lifestyle would have to wreak havoc over his health for me to pick George Cambosis to beat him and not work him. I just don't see him having that off of a night. He might have a little bit of an off night. I don't see it being that off. And I think the power is going to be a little bit too much for Cambosis to handle. Yeah, I think Tio maybe starts slow. And it's been a year. So he starts a little slower. But I'm going with like seventh round knockout. TKO. Yeah, I, like, I, I, yeah. I think he punishes him and the ref steps in. Yeah. I, I, and George is going to come to fight. That's the other thing that I think is key here. George is coming to fight. And when you come to fight, you leave yourself opening to get encountered. That's what Sean Porter get, did against Terrence Crawford. He came to fight, which is great, but it also leaves you wide open to getting picked off if you don't have great defense and great movement. And I don't think Cambosis has either of those. And he's going to throw hands. He's going to find out real quick. It's like, ah, uh, he's really good. Yeah. <laughs> like, and there's no timeouts in boxing, so you just got to deal with the shit. Yeah, he's like, going to eat a lot of punches. Yeah, he's, he's getting wrecked. He's getting wrecked. Um, I'm glad this fight is finally happening. We can move on. Like, we can move on and be done with this. Yeah, and, and it seems seems like Tio's talking a lot about 140. I mean, clearly, look at look at him. What, what did I see him? I saw him last week. 
last week or the week before. And I just looked at him and I'm just like, dog, <laughs> like you, this, how, how do you make 35? I don't know. He's got to go to 140. A fight with Josh Taylor would be huge. Don't yeah. Know if that's the route they, I don't know if that's the route they go, but uh, huge, huge. Honestly, the best thing for him is Terrence Crawford leaving for free agency. Yeah. Because that was Taylor's, like, big fight. And then now, it's gone. No, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's gone, gone. Now, I don't know if you got a chance to watch this yet. Sean Porter did a, uh, a live podcast yesterday. And Terrence was on. Uh, and Terrence showed up on his show. And I was like, this is, you know, I watched because of Sean. But listen to the Bud talk about his future and you know he's just wants to fight anybody and being a free agent and they laugh right they they laughed about uh terrence saying talking like basically saying i'm out bob with bob next to him yeah the way they said it he was like yeah so yeah bud is out of here he's about to be a free agent i the pay-per-view numbers are going to make it really difficult for him if yeah, those, those, pay- pay- if those pay-per-view pay- numbers came out real quick yeah um just knowing how our shit works on the back end and being behind two paywalls is a uh, very difficult to have numbers come out on Sunday. Um, and that's just honest, not saying that they're right or wrong or anything. Um, I think maybe they might be in the ballpark. I haven't seen the actual numbers. Well, I will know more depending on how many ESPN plus subscription we were able to drive. But here's what I'll say about Bud. Cause Bud was very um, to the point about this. And this is what I, I've said this as well. He knew this is why he wants to leave top rank. He's like, I'm doing a pay-per-view behind a subscription service when most people that buy pay-per-view are older right mm. old people buy pay-per-views old Somewhat. people don't they don't deal with apps ufc the, fans have been conditioned so that is a false narrative no no no, no. ufc fans have been conditioned ufc yes. fans skew younger yep. skew younger okay boxing fans skew older and yeah. there's not a lot of over as much as we talk about it on our, on our show because we cover all the sports. There's not a ton of overlap in a person who will buy a boxing pay per view versus a person who will buy a UFC pay per view. UFC pay per views happen monthly. Yeah. You get the subscription because not only do you get the pay per view, you get fight nights, you get all this stuff. You are conditioned to get ESPN Plus early so you know you can do this. If I'm at home and I'm a casual boxing fan, I say I want to watch this Porter Crawford fight because of these ads, and then I go to pay per view. You know, I have Directv, Comcast, whoever. I can't buy it there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And if, if I'm 50 years old, 45 years old, 60 years old, and I, it's too much work now. Because last, people- I think that's the problem with Bud, though. Not to no, cut but- you off, but that that's that's his problem. And when you see guys like Tank selling 250, I mean, 250, 270, again, 250, 275 is the realm. If the reported numbers for Bud is 200 thousand then it's like okay but give or take a few more but bud did 230 the paywall didn't hurt him at all bud did 230 because bud does 230 no but i'm saying this fury did 700 behind that 800 no, he wasn't there was a, that was a joint pay-per-view you can get it oh, it was on direct tv yeah, yeah get it you could get it through other apps the only way you could watch crawford porter was through espn plus yep and the average boxing fan the casual box fan does not have that and nobody buys a pay-per-view in advance Everybody buys a pay-per-view night and it starts. When it starts, they, they buy it. And if you if I'm if I'm 50 years old and I'm sitting at home and I decide after college football, ah, maybe I'll just go ahead and buy this fight. And I can't push one button and getting it, you lose. I, I guarantee you they lost out of maybe 30,000, 20,000 people buying it. 
Maybe. I, I think I, I can only speak on the numbers that I see from my ringside accounts, right? And I came in with the same idea of boxing is an older person sport. I understand this. Honestly, in my two years, I have noticed that there is a very healthy and hungry appetite for boxing with 20, 30 years old, year olds. In fact, granted, I'm on social media, so like excuse younger anyway. But it seems as though by all accounts, the people that do buy it and even put up money are those who have jobs and they're working 25 to 40 year olds. Um, so that that's the majority of your pay-per-view pay-per-view buys anyway the older fans make up a a nice little amount of pay-per-views but believe it or not they're not buying that many pay-per-views anymore because one i mean just the the statistics of it they have less income to just blow inflation went up their pensions did not there's like there's a lot of shit they go over family's house all this stuff there's other ways to watch pay-per-views so the older market doesn't skew as heavy as you may think it's can you reach the younger market? There's a reason why Tank can do everything on pay-per-view. Not because 50-year-olds fell in love with Tank. It's because 25 to 35-year-olds did. No, I agree. I agree with that 100%. Ryan Garcia could sell pay-per-view. Canelo, his base, 25 through 40, they buy pay-per-views. They can navigate an app. They will understand how to buy and look into something and set it up on a TV. A lot of people have cut the cord. People have PlayStations, Xboxes, a million ways to stream this and understand how to get there. So I, I think the UFC has also shown that they're a model of that, of they went from traditional to ESPN plus on a paywall. And they did that in like three months and people understood how to buy pay-per-views because their fans skew younger. If you have a boxer whose fans skew younger, they have no problem selling pay-per-views. His fans do not. I, that's what I'm saying. In gen, but I'm saying in general, like Bud marketing is on Bud, right? Like that's that's him. The, the fact that he doesn't appeal to a young, younger demo, because if Bud fights Errol, it's going to do great numbers, right? Because that's a fight that people want to see because Errol also. And these are the two best in the world, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Bud doesn't do a great job uh, reaching out and making himself relatable as we're <laughs> excuse me, as we're tank. You look at Tank, and he's from Baltimore. He's younger. He knocks people out. Even yep. though Terrence has knocked out his last nine opponents, he knocks people out. They stage the fights in people where there where there's a lot of black people. Yep. <laughs> Atlanta, they're about to he, do. He's LA. with rappers, all yeah. this shit. He likes all the young rappers, all this. Yeah. You ha- you have to have a presence, right? That that is all true. But I'm saying, if I'm sitting at home and you tell me this is a really good fight on TV, Terrence Crawford and, and Sean Porter. And you tell me, oh, you should watch this. And I go, all right, I'm going to watch it. And you make it too difficult for me to watch. I ain't going to buy it. It's, it's really that. It's just really that simple. It's it because it, boxing fans are not buying pay-per-views on ESPN plus. They haven't been yet. Yeah. I mean, we've only had three. Right. And and when you do it, when you when, when, or I guess uh, with Postal, they said or something Crawford yeah, so, Postal. But that, I think that was still HBO. That was HBO. This is yeah. So we've we've had three Wilder Fury two, Wilder Fury three, and yeah, they were joint promotions. So who knows? So this was the first ESPN Plus pay per view that was exclusively ESPN Plus. Yep. And we don't know because how much of it is Bud, how much is it paywall? Right. But either way, that's not a place where you can succeed. You just you can't win 
on that because you're leaving money on the table. Yeah, he is. He he definitely is. So he's the guinea pig now. Now, when you go to you say, all right, I beat Sean Porter. I'm the WBO champion. Um, number one or number two, depending on who you talk to in terms of pound for pound, because that's where people are putting him. I still say yeah. he's number two, whatever. But you go to PBC and you say, I want to fight Errol Spence. And PBC says, sure, 60-40. Bud's going to have to swallow it. Got to take that. He should have took it anyway. Yep. You got to swallow it. You're not getting 50-50. You're not. It's a business. You're just not. So go I out think there and win. I, I'm sure that another person right now is Eddie Hearn. Hmm. Trying to figure out, well, how can I get Bud over here for a fight? Maybe, maybe we figure out how to do the Virgil Ortiz fight. Yeah, do a one-off. I think Virgil in this next fight in February becomes the mandatory. So we're he seeing does. him versus Crawford by the end of next year. He he does. It's just a matter of where for, for Bud, he has to make a decision. Does he want the best fights and a little less of the split, but still more money? Or does he want to be the A side? Get less money, but control his own destiny. Yeah, Eddie, Eddie that, will pay him well, yeah, and Eddie's trying. And Eddie's trying to do the same thing, where he has certain pay per views behind his own um, with Matchroom, and they they understand again, which other people don't understand behind being being behind two paywalls, is that you get a lot those little six ninety nine subscriptions to get through that first paywall. They add up quick. Yeah. So people are like, yo, Bud did 200,000. Okay. So he did 200,000 at 70 a pop. <clears throat> but also, are you including the 599 for 200,000? Because now we're getting into another additional $12 million. Yep. So $12 million before people even press to buy the pay per view. So that's why ESPN Plus model and everything Bob raves about the ESPN Plus model and why he loves it and why he was okay putting this behind that paywall is because Bob understands I'm, I have enough to pay Terrence what he wants and Sean what he wants off of just E Plus subscriptions before we even dive into the $70 a pop. Hell yeah, you can find on pay-per-view. Theofimo, you want to fight on pay-per-view? Cool. As long as you do 200 to 250, you're paying your salary and your opponent's salary for Bob. And then the extra 70 plus dollars per each one, you negotiate pay-per-view points. And we'll figure out how to split that, but the majority is still coming to us. And top rank is no longer losing money. That was Adam's entire case, which he's not stupid. It's just, it's hard for a promoter to say that in public about your fighter. But if you're just doing normal pay-per-view, yeah, then you're you're living off the 70 and they're you're taking away from what you got to pay them and the person everything out of the 70. When you're buying two paywalls, Bob's like, yo, this shit's seven dollars a month or eight dollars a month, whatever ESPN plus is. Yo, we're getting all of that. Like ESPN is cutting us portion of that too. We're fine to pay Bud 10 mil. We're fine. So, like that's it's a big difference. That's why the zone was able to pay Canelo a shitload off a $9.99 subscription without any pay-per-views. The model is, is when you can have both. Well, I mean, even with the Canelo deal with the zone, I mean, this is you're fronting money, right? Because yeah. I mean, I don't want to get too inside baseball. I gotta be careful what I see here. But when they signed the deal with Canelo to it was it was a bad contract. 
And the reason why it was a bad contract was because they weren't very clear about who Canelo had to fight, right? For instance, they signed Triple G. Never told Canelo he had to fight him. So why is Canelo going to fight him? Because if I get $35 million to fight anyway, I can fight whoever I want. Yeah. I'm not gonna fight who you tell me who I want. Like it's not because I'm I, I'm scared of him. I don't want to fight him, but he has nothing that I want. Yep. Even though the zone says, well, that's a big pay per view for us. Canelo's like, I don't give a fuck. I'm a big pay per view wherever I go. I'm a big show wherever I go. I don't gotta fight him. I can go fight Rocky Fielding and make 35 million just to try it out at 168. I can fight Sergey Kovalev at 75. I'm still making the same amount of money. So they they just gotta figure that shit out. Because Bud's going to be in a situation. You're not Canelo. You don't have a country behind you. <laughs> I want to be very clear about this. Yeah. Terrence Crawford is a black man in America who refuses to market himself. It is all pro wrestling at the end of the day. If you're not pushing yourself beyond who you are, you're not selling. And if you're not selling, nobody wants to see you. I love Sean Porter. That's my man. But nobody likes a happy black man. That doesn't sell pay-per-views. Yep. Bud's a mean, competitive black man who doesn't sell himself. He's killing himself. He's shooting himself in the foot. He doesn't have a built-in audience. If he did 200, 200 would be 30,000 less than Tank. That's crazy. I I would say that's pretty good damn promo for a guy who didn't do any promo for the fight. No, because he's that good. But imagine if he sold himself. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, of course. But I'm just saying, like, that's pretty damn good numbers. (laughs) Yeah, I talked to Tank about that yesterday. I said, if you did better than Terrence, and he just kind of laughed, and he's like, I guess people connect with me better. And he wasn't trying to be rude, but he was speaking facts. Yeah. He makes himself accessible for them to connect. Right. And, and, I, and Terrence's personality is incredible. Like, he's a funny dude. It's cool hanging around him. I just want him to bring that to the mic. He don't sell fights uh, in terms of marketing. He sells well, he fights. Got, like, people came out, but he, he doesn't do anything to make you want to watch fight more. Press yeah, conferences. The casuals. He does nothing to yeah. grab the casuals. He doesn't so, say, he says, I don't need Errol Spence rather than saying, I'm going to whoop Errol Spence ass. Say that. Yeah. It's it's a subtle difference. <laughs> yep. But it, it could be the matter of 100,000 pay-per-views. Yep. That's subtle yep. difference. So we'll see going on. And again, I cover all boxing. So I can't wait to see what's next for Terrence Crawford. He doesn't have to be with Top Ring. He doesn't have to be ESPN. I cover it all. So um, best of luck to him. I'm looking forward to seeing what Theofimo does. He'll be the next pay-per-view guy on top rank, probably Shakur eventually as well. Seems like they're grooming him from that. And uh, top rank shows, man. They There's always new young kids. Just signed Keyshawn Davis. He's fighting on December 11th. The The stable rolls on. So it's it's interesting, um, the dynamics we see in boxing. I just want good fights. I want everyone to fight everyone. So it's it's interesting. Him and Spence got to get it on at this, this year or no or nothing. You can't do it when you're 37, 38, like Mayweather Pacquiao. Your interest isn't that high. No, not at all. So we'll see how that goes. That is our show for today because I got a flight to catch. It is Thanksgiving weekend. The old man has to run to the supermarket three more times before the cooking gets started. So we appreciate everyone for listening. Hopefully your holidays go well. Hopefully you eat a lot of food and enjoy your time with your loved ones because really um we saw we saw last year we've seen recently that's very important you never know what's going to happen so enjoy it make sure you're safe in the meantime follow us on social media at corner podcast underscore on twitter at corner club for life on instagram follow me at kel dansby him at andreas hell on all platforms shout out to blue wire network always holding it down i like that we went back to the old school format felt weird at first but now it's like riding a bike It is nice. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this show. 
Shout out to producer Cole, baby, wherever you are. Always keeping us good. Can't wait to, you know, chop it up on Sunday again and get back to normal. We appreciate you all. Till next time, we're out. Peace.